0: A lifeguard shortage is affecting public pools across the country. problem of child
1: sex abuse in the Boy Scouts of America. This extremely tight-knit community shattered by gun violence. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured. Closing pools nationwide is causing some unexpected people to step up. Welcome to episode four of Staffing Safety Society. My name is Kevin Trapani
0: and I'm Paige Bagwell.
1: Paige, uh, thanks for for joining today on uh, really a tough day for all of us in the Triangle region of North Carolina. Obviously, I've been watching the news at all. Uh, late last week, there was a horrific mass shooting in our community. Right. yeah, really man, close to home. yeah very close to home. And, you know, it uh we are getting used to saying this kind of stuff, but when it does come geographically close to home, it means it's personally close to home. So all of us are connected with somebody who, you know, knew somebody involved in this case, um, or lots of us have been on that trail um, and in a really an idyllic place uh, that obviously has a very different meaning today.
0: It does, it's, it, like you said, very close to home, you, you find connections very quickly. Right. I mean, even as little as my daughter goes to this high school and then they, they couldn't play that high school because they're going through a lot of trauma. There's just so much that all of a sudden you feel like I am in this. I am in this, even though I, I don't live in that area of the city or, you know, I don't know that family. It puts you right at the heart of it very, very quickly.
1: Yeah, and Paige, you know we've watched this from afar now for quite some time because it has affected other communities, and so it's in our consciousness. It's not like we're shocked by this. Right. And if you're in any community and you think that won't happen in my community, well, you're probably not paying attention in the way that you that you probably should be.
0: Right. I think because I think you look at the news and think, whoo, you know that that's over there. That I, I'm praying for that that community. I'm you know worried about that community, but it's not mine until it is yours. Yeah, right. Yeah, and at yeah. this point, there's been a lot of communities affected a lot. And so when it hits when it hits your own, it puts everything in perspective of what others are still dealing with that have yeah. had this happen.
1: Yeah, you bet. And and so we face in our community the very same questions that those communities have faced and that uh, as a society we have to face, you know, part of our. You know, part of our mandate here is to talk about staffing, safety, and society. And so society wrestles with the same questions. What did we miss about this young man as a community, right? All these kids are our responsibility. Right. And, uh, and what did we miss here? And and then, of course, how did he get the gun? At 15 years old, how did he get what became a, such a horrific weapon? Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be asking those questions. And I I recognize the irony of today's conversation, right? Because- In a minute, we're going to be talking about how society is totally intolerant of certain kinds of bad behavior. Yet we just have to say that society continues to tolerate mass shootings. Right. And today we know that as bad as mass shootings are, the fact is gun violence is the number one killer of children in the United States. So uh, this is an issue that society has not yet addressed in an adequate way. None of us want it to continue, regardless of your politics, red, blue, indifferent. None of us wants it to continue this way. And so, I guess all I'd say, as we as we end our conversation about the big issue of this week, is each of us has to ask ourselves this question: What am I willing to do to end this?
0: Right. And I think for us, Kevin, you know, we do we work with youth-serving organizations every day, um, and so you think youth, fifteen-year-old, certainly qualifies to be a part of that. Um, what I I want, I want those kids to stop hurting and that there's two sides of that hurt, hurting others and and themselves, they're hurting somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so what do we do? What is our job as society to figure out where that hurt is and to support and to get in front of it so that they can be live happy, healthy lives and and give back to the society that they are a part of. And that's, that's just really important for us to keep in mind.
1: Well, we're in the same place, and uh, I want to make this transition to the conversation uh, for today, because while we've talked a lot about staffing and safety in this podcast in the first few weeks, we've Mm -hmm. talked a little less about society, but we exist in this context of society. So, Paige, what's the what's the theme of our conversation for today?
0: Right. I mean, I think it's hard. It, you know, I don't think we've said in any of our podcasts, nor, nor maybe we won't say this today, is which one of these is important? Is it staffing? Is it safety? Is it society? I think the reality is the society is everyone, right? And everyone looking after everyone. And so it becomes the most important one kind of by default, because if the society isn't focused on the other two and focused on safety and looking at taking care of their communities, then is we're just doing this work for nothing, right? Like we're just right. kind of spinning our wheels. And so today's conversation is how we balance what's best for us, and that us could equal me, my family, my I'm I'm the CEO of a company or I run an organization, what's best for me? But how that translates into what's best for society, because I'm a part of it. I'm a working, giving, loving part of it. And what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so it's easy for us to say, well, as far as staffing goes, you need to make sure you're looking at these things and have these you know, protocols or these numbers or even a safety, have focus and, and practices that go around safety. When you start to talk about society, you have human beings that make mm-hmm. up. The world. And so how do you get people to think differently of what those priorities and priorities and focuses should be?
1: Well, in this case, we're talking about how society holds businesses accountable. Right. And it's pretty clear. One of the things we're going to talk about today, Paige, is something called nuclear verdicts. <laughs> the
0: um, and word I, nuclear I, is there for a reason.
1: Yes, exactly. So let's <laughs> just start with a, a working definition. Nuclear verdict at least in the uh, legal environment is generally known as a verdict or settlement of $10 million or more in some sort of a a casualty case. And we've been talking for quite some time about how society shows its intolerance of businesses behaving badly by punishing them through the court system. There's nothing wrong with anything I just said, right? That's exactly how it's supposed to work. Business does something wrong. It should be held accountable. So let's just talk then today about what that looks like. Because in 2015, if you look at just those cases of $10 million or more, the average nuclear verdict settlement was $64 million. In 2019, that number was $214 million. Right. So a crazy increase in a relatively short period of time. Right. And I think both of us can
0: remember the days when $10 million was like, oh my goodness. Breathtaking. 10 And now we're in the day where 10 million, that's not even reported on anymore. That's not even talked about because the numbers have gotten so high.
1: Well, um, we've talked about a number of them in the past. Let me just talk about the ones from this summer. Uh, And and I just want to be clear about what the numbers are and kind of what some of the background is. So some people have read about the charter spectrum case where a field worker uh, went in and robbed and murdered uh, one of the customers, an 83-year-old woman. Right. And,
0: on his uh, day off,
1: right? On his day off. On his day off, somebody he had visited before. Right. The verdict in that case was $7.37 with a B, $7.37 billion. It's important to know that uh, in this case, the punishment, now, by the way, $7 billion was punitive damages. Right. Mm-hmm. And the reason there were such punitive damages is because Charter Spectrum did not do a background check on the employee and they would have found problems. They ignored red flags while he was working for them. Uh, There is a clear pattern of violence against innocent customers by the field techs of of this cable company. And in addition to all of that, they forged a document to try to get the case uh, behind closed doors and to limit the amount of the settlement to the amount of the 83-year-old woman's final bill. So if that's not egregious behavior by a company, I don't think I've ever seen it. Now, is it worth seven billion dollars? I don't know, but that's some of the background there of why they got to those kinds of numbers.
0: Right, and everything you most of the stuff you just mentioned are are easy things to fix, right? The background we've talked about background checks on the podcast of how Mm -hmm. important those things are and how easy that should be as part of your practices and protocols. And so it's just it's disheartening to hear like some of these things are just very simple things you can be doing to protect yourself and your community.
1: You bet. There's another company, Pegas Systems, ended up with a $2 billion uh, judgment against them because they put together and authorized at the highest level of the organization a corporate espionage campaign against a competitor. <laughs> <laughs> You and I are both shaking our heads at each other. Like, I just, I okay, here's some guidance. Don't do corporate espionage like that in a way that's not only illegal, but also immoral.
0: Right. I mean, and do your research. Those don't go well. Right. right. Like, I mean, right. Like the, first of all, it's wrong. Second of all, like what? where have you seen that to be something that you consider a successful part, your part of society? Never, never.
1: Right. That's right. That's your, that's your business model. Uh, The next one is a $1.7 billion judgment against Ford Motor Company uh, from an accident from 2014. A tire blew out and a a couple was killed when their Ford F-250 rolled over and the roof crushed. So here's the problem. These people are lost uh, forever, a terrible, horrific kind of a thing. There are 5.2 million Ford vehicles on the road today that have the exact same design of a roof and Ford has not recalled them. uh, And they've actually tried to keep that fact kind of out of the news. So again, bad behavior, Philip Morris, a billion dollar judgment for a cancer related death because they spent so much time trying to keep that. There are six other verdicts of $218 million or more. And the continued pattern here is that these businesses were doing bad things. So we talk a lot about the amount of money that's being delivered here and it's worth paying attention to. And we'll circle back to that in a second. But Paige, the answer is, how about don't behave badly? And if you do just admit it, right? Way to move on.
0: And I think too, like, look at it this way, Kevin, either hold yourselves accountable or buckle up for what others will hold you accountable for.
1: Great way to say that.
0: Right. Like so you have a responsibility as part of our society to hold yourself accountable how you run your business, what practices you put in place, what you hold your employees and customers responsible for. Because if you don't, then these this is what you are facing. This is what you're
1: that's exactly it. So if you make a mistake and you double down by having not done the things you know to do, the punishment is going to be harsh. Paige, yes. we ask ourselves often why is this happening? Let me just a couple of pieces of data. 88% of us see an ad for mass tort litigation firm once a week at least.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Right.
1: So it's it's in our heads. Billions of dollars are being spent by the plaintiff's bar to make sure that we know that if you're if you worked at Camp Lejeune and you know in this period of time and you drank the water, then you may be eligible. Right. The second thing is there's something I want to spend a second on this called third party funding. Right. This is something truly new and truly transformational. So what can happen is if I've been injured, I can actually sell my rights for what I might be able to collect to a third party funder, which is usually a hedge fund or a sovereign wealth fund that's going to pump a lot of money into taking my case to court. And they're mm-hmm. just going to press it. And they, they don't care. They just want the biggest number they can possibly get. So now we've got a capital source that funds this litigation. It used to be that there was a bar to funding litigation because people only had a certain amount of means. Even the law firm only had a certain amount of means. Now that's almost unlimited.
0: Yeah. And I think my question there, Kevin, is who is that healing when bad things happen? How are we helping heal the people in our community when the because accidents happen? Like we can't deny that. Sure. Things happen even in our best intentions. So how did the question is? as a company doing the right things, having the right practices and protocols in place. And then the, then the accident still happens and you've done everything you thought you knew to do your next, your next question should be, okay, so how do I help this person or this family or individual heal? What you just described, none of that focuses on the healing of the community, the healing of the organization, the individual, the family, whatever. It just focuses on the dollars, which is where that nuclear part comes into play.
1: Right. Well, that, that's clearly correct. And, and it really, in many ways, it re-traumatizes the victim because they've got to go through a process over and over again. They Just because mm-hmm. they sold their rights doesn't mean they don't have to testify on their own behalf or mm-hmm. be deposed or whatever else might happen. So this is not going away. It's just not. And so what our listeners should be asking themselves right now is, what do I do? Like, right. what do I do in this situation? And let's be really clear this is causing the cost of insurance to go up dramatically. Yes, because we share all these costs. And so with these kinds of numbers, you know, a couple of things happen. It increases the value of all claims costs because plaintiffs have in their head, these huge numbers. And so it inflates the cost of all claims that causes reinsurance costs to rise and the combination of those two things costs insurance costs to rise. Right. And so in the face of all this, what, you know, what should they be doing? And, and Paige, let's just start. You said before, make sure you're doing the right thing.
0: Make sure you're doing the right things. Sit down with your executive team, you know, and that includes HR and customers, you know, service groups, all of that and say, okay, what are we doing every single day to make sure we're holding ourselves accountable, that we're doing the right work in the right way with the right people all the time. Yep. And how are we documenting that? And then how are we checking that? What are the checks and balances and the audit to that? Yep. If you can how do you know? How do you know if you can stay focused on those things? It helps you when the when an accident happens. Go okay, let's backtrack. Where were we? What didn't go right? What went well? What went wrong? Because that gives you the story to say, I am. Everything we're doing is working towards the common good of our community, and making sure everybody's safe. Um, and that that gives you your story that you're holding your end of the bargain of holding, you know, holding yourself accountable. And that's hugely important. That is step one.
1: You bet. So have the right uh, protocols, make sure your practices match those protocols and make sure you're checking all the time. So, you know, Yep. what is your
0: audit? How do you know you're you're doing every day what you say you're doing?
1: You bet. All right. Now I'm going to add the second thing because despite our best efforts, we are human (laughs) beings. And every now and again, we're going to make a mistake. Something (laughs) is going to go wrong despite our best efforts. When that happens, admit it. Right. Embrace the victim and their family and work to fix the problem.
0: Right. Whatever happened to the good old, I'm sorry, this happened exactly. to you. Exactly. Right? I, whether in that saying, I'm sorry, does not mean, Hey, I'm the person you should be blaming for this saying, I'm sorry, is saying I recognize you're hurting And I'm sorry that you're dealing with this. So let's work together on how you can heal, how we can heal, how we can get better. You get better. All of those things. Reframe what I'm sorry means. That's not a guilty verdict. It's just an empathetic approach to being a human being.
1: You bet. You bet. And empathy is the thing that we have to bring. Mm -hmm. Let's also say this, um, because I think we've mentioned it before on this podcast, we hear these big numbers in nuclear verdicts and we think, well, I need more liability limit. Mm-hmm. I know it's counterintuitive, but what is really happening, and we've had plenty of plaintiffs' attorneys tell us this. Their first question is, what's your limit? And so buying high limits, more than you need, makes you a target. It does. It so does. where we ought to be is buy adequate limits, but let's not be buying up over and over again because then the plaintiff's community knows you have tremendous limits and that's what they're going to ask. And their question often is not what happened. Their question is what are your limits? Right.
0: And let's tie number one and three together. Your accountability measurement should not be, let's just blow our limits out because that'll be what protects us. Your accountability measure is doing the right things and then setting a responsible limit that helps everybody at large, right? And so connecting those two together, blowing it out to this crazy limit is not an accountability measure.
1: You bet. Now we've been, just the the kind of experiential side of this is, as you know, we've been doing this as Redwoods for more than 25 years now. And in in all of that time, we have never had a verdict or a settlement over the limits of our insurance policy. Never, not a single time. And so what that tells you is that's the target. Mm-hmm. Right? The jury says, "How much is available to distribute to the victims? Right. Here it is. And so, if the limit is lower, we've had uh, attorneys say to us, "Your limit is eleven million dollars. Had the limit been six million dollars, my demand would have been six million, not eleven million.
0: That determines what my demand is. N- not the facts of the case, right? Like so if your limit is there, then if this accident happened, I want that. And let's start there,
1: okay. So what do we do? Have the right protocols, make sure the practices match the protocols. Um, make sure that we know and we're checking and let's not load up on limits and make ourselves a target unnecessarily. Right. That's fair.
0: Right. Basic human knowledge, right? Like responsibility, accountability, being, doing what's right for the entire society and making sure you're keeping, you know, everyone safe, not just, you know, you and others.
1: You bet. Okay. Now is the time when we get to the end of our podcast, because we say, I'm not giving away my shot. Not. What is not. your shot? Your final shot today, Paige.
0: I think my shot today is not whether we specifically set it, but we we talked around this notion of like we're all in this. We're all in this society together. We're all human beings. We're all trying to take care of ourselves and our family and our friends, those that are most important to us. When you lay your head down at night, think of humans, right? Think of the humans that are in your house. That are, they go to church with you, that you work out with in the mornings, or you go to work with, or it, you know all types of things, and say, "How do I make sure every day I'm living to make sure that everybody around me is safe?" Because that creates an environment where people get to live with joy, they get to live without pain, they get to live without fear, and all of those things. And so, what can I do in my business, in my community, in my family to kind of live that out each and every day? And that starts to translate to what we talked about: accountability and responsibility. And so. Don't lose sight of society and community being bigger than your home or your business or your little, you know, street on the block or whatever. It is the society that we live in that crosses all county lines and state lines and city lines and neighborhood lines. And if you have that approach, I think you'll come out come out better.
1: I, I love that page. And it actually ties to kind of what I was going to say. I might sound like I'm stealing yours. We're just all neighbors. That's right. We're sorry. just all neighbors. And and you would say to your neighbor, if they got hurt at work, the first thing you'd say is, hey, I'm sorry. You'd have had nothing to do with that. But showing each other empathy and giving each other grace is uh, makes the human condition tolerable and it helps us to choose hope. Yep. So yeah. uh, even after a horrific week last week here in the, in the triangle, you and I both choose hope. It's why we do what we do. And we're grateful for the people who listen to this podcast to do the same thing.
0: Absolutely. Thankful for our neighbors. each
1: each and every page thanks thanks for today's conversation and thanks Thanks. y'all for listening bye